0: His personality maybe wasn't suited to how Ron Dennis liked to run things. Absolutely.
1: From the way it was going with McLaren and it was just not looking, not looking great, not looking promising, a change was needed.
0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. It's That Time When edition and today we are talking about that time when Lewis Hamilton left McLaren for Mercedes. Uh-huh big one. A lot of people didn't think it was the right move. Let's talk about that very shortly. First, my name's Matt. We have Mr. Tom Bellingham, the WTF1 founder, and Katie Fairman, our new resident WTF1 editor and WTF1 podcast attendee. How are we both? Very good.
1: Yeah, great. Thank you.
0: Lovely. Oh, you're all lovely. I always ask how people are, but no one asks how I am. Oh, Oh, what a shame. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Carry on. (laughs) Right, let's start. With Lewis Hampson's very early days which were at McLaren he was first approached uh, by Ron Dennis when he was just 10 years old and signed by McLaren when he was 13 so I feel like a lot of the reason why people don't actually think that he not deserves it but he didn't have that same Fernando Alonso-esque starting at Minardi did he but uh, he was he was picked up very early
2: yeah he was uh, strange it was a it was a weird one because he was approached by uh sorry he approached Ron Dennis who was the big boss at McLaren at um a karting event uh and asked Ron Dennis for an autograph and cheekily said uh, one day I'm going to be driving one of your cars and sure enough it happened but uh, Ron Dennis wrote in his autograph book something like I think it was phone me in nine years we'll sort something out then and it only took three years before he was signed for McLaren because he was doing um, so well. He he was, yeah, doing amazingly well in carts. Uh, Katie and I were actually chatting about this the other day, um, that he was on Blue Peter as well, back, which is a British TV show, if anyone's listening um, abroad.
1: Yeah, he was, he, um, he was there. I'm trying to think how old he probably would have been on Blue Peter, but he was very mm. young, um, racing little electric remote control cars around the Blue Peter garden. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he, he made sure that people knew who he was. Um, and I mean, going up to Ron Dennis, who is a big deal and has been a big deal in F1 for such a long time, just waltzing over there and being like, oh, I'm going to drive for you one day. That must take some confidence. And I mean, I'm glad to see it that it's paid off. But like you said, Tom, he said, right, call me in nine years. And it only took three years. So he got the call up from McLaren when he was just 13, which... I'm guessing it's probably one of the youngest call-ups ever from an F1 team to like a, a junior racer because yeah, most of the time, is, <laughs> I mean, that's is early. Actually, yeah.
2: He's, he's, so yeah, he's technically the youngest person ever to be signed by a Formula One team uh, wow. because even obviously younger than Max Verstappen, but that was because he was racing. But Hamilton, yeah, being signed at 13 is pretty, was, so was even, a big deal.
0: Even with that kind of mentality, right? The hallmarks of a champion, I'm sure people will gross me for saying that. But, you know, but it's the fact that he had the uh, the confidence and the the swag to go up to, to Ron Dennis and make a mark at just 10 years old. Of course, he had, you know, huge success in karting in the Junior Series after that. But, you know, he clearly was a talented individual. And, and that's how you you stick in the mind, isn't it? its It's having that that winner's mentality that, look, I'm going to drive a Formula One car one day, even at 10 years old. So it's incredibly impressive um and and that impressiveness continued when he won uh, the GP2 series in in his first year so uh, he was very much on his way to formula 1 wasn't he a, a very uh, not ten, not when he was i was say 10 o'clock not when he was 10 <laughs> years old but uh, when he won GP2 you, you just knew where he was going to end up yeah
2: like you mentioned earlier a lot of people obviously love to say that he he jumped straight into mclaren but his his junior series record is a reason why he got that opportunity he won the british karting championship at a young age then when he moved into single seaters he won the formula renault uk title in 2003 then in 2005 he won the formula three euro series championship where he won 15 of the 20 races and then went straight into gp2 and won the title in his rookie year so can't have been a bad driver
1: I'm sure knowing that you have McLaren there as a support system is going to inevitably help you do well in junior series. But there's also so much talent there to achieve what he did. And and like you said, Matt, went into GP2 in his first year in 2006 um, and just completely won the, the season and just was promoted straight up into F1.
0: He was incredibly quick, wasn't he? There's mm. there's quite a few highlights. I think uh, Silverstone was a was a pretty good example. Was that in GP two, Tommy? I think it was uh, where wide. he did that three wide, yeah move.
2: Yeah, and there's also yeah, ter- Turkey as well where he drops back to I think it's about eighteenth with a spin on the first lap, and which to be fair,
0: like people he did do wasn't it a, quite a silly move? I think he did. Yeah, then yeah, or, yeah. Spun yeah.
2: round and then yeah carved his way through the field back up to second you know in a in a series like in gp2 is incredibly impressive
0: yeah uh, so obviously he was then signed by mclaren to race in formula one after his first uh winning gp2 series year uh and then he almost won the title as a record i can't believe we are talking about something that was 13 years ago and i remember <laughs> it i feel so freaking old like the fact that I I remembered watching this sit this season and oh it's just it's mad it's absolute mad like and and the fact that he almost won as a rookie was was ridiculous um but clearly showed right from the get go I think Australia was didn't he finish third in Australia he was straight yeah. out the blocks and on the podium
2: yeah on the podium uh, I think it only took him four races to to win a race and um it, well in Canada he won um very impressively when a lot of people were falling off the road and at the start that was his first win it wasn't was it? yeah canada and then he was very consistent throughout the year um which just allowed him to win the world championship but it wasn't the kind of dominant performance we see now where he wins you know 14 15 races a season i think he only won four races that year um it was very consistent until the end of until the, season the end they just
0: decided to make every wrong decision yeah it's
2: that's a controversial one. I'm sure we've spoken about it before on the that time when podcast, but we have yeah. Um, that there, there's a lot of crazy conspiracies because of the Spygate thing, which we've gone into and go listen to that one if you've not heard it. That you know there's talk that McLaren just sort of like completely bottled the season and if if Kimi Raikkonen won they wouldn't get penalized and all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories and weirdly Hamilton to this day still talks about how he's going to write a book on that season about what really happened (laughs) which would be very spicy I'm not personally don't believe that there's any kind of conspiracy there but what a ridiculous decision that McLaren made in that Chinese Grand Prix to leave him out on shredded tires when all he needed to do was finish and win the race
1: i agree i mean with uh, with his debut year i mean he got like you say the podium in the first race in australia um the win in canada was his sixth race um but in the first 10 rounds in his rookie year he was on the podium which is just incredible insane to think about um, so yeah, Australia, third place, and then a ton of second place finishes, second place in Monaco, we all know how like challenging it can be to race in Monaco, and then back-to-back wins in Canada and USA, um, and then the only time that he didn't uh, get onto the podium was at the European Grand Prix, which was at Nürburgring, where he finished ninth, but like you say, it was an incredibly strong start to the season, and I think everybody was just so taken aback that this kid because he was still a kid, probably, I don't know how old he would have been, like early 20s, just rocking up onto the scene. And don't forget, he was partnered with Fernando Alonso, a two-time world champion, and he was showing Fernando up big time. I mean, Fernando had his own you know, successful results and stuff. But, I mean, there's the the famous advert, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out on YouTube, of, of Fernando and Hamilton. I think it's like a Santander advert or Hilton advert or something with the anything you can do I can do better soundtrack um and that kind of just summarized their season really you know Fernando thought he'd be able to waltz into McLaren and you know everything would be going his way and Hamilton showed up and was like actually mate that's not how it's going to happen around here and uh like you say almost almost took that um the title in his rookie year
0: yeah, not to forget that Alonso just off the back of two world championships, moving to McLaren, wasn't that
2: right? Yeah, he he yeah. just won yeah the two two world titles, gone to McLaren, thinking that would be his team. He's paired against a rookie, and this is the thing that you yeah. know people criticise Hamilton for saying that he got in this car, but he delivered. I don't I don't understand the criticism of he got put against the best driver in Formula One at the time in his first year and beat him ended up level on points but on count back would have beaten him and how can you begrudge someone that's doing that you know we're, we're all we're the ones all saying now like oh george russell won everything in a junior series and he's stuck in a williams it's it's a crying shame that he's not in the mercedes but if george russell got put in a mercedes and winning everything would we be like oh well he's only doing it because he's in the best car it's just it's, yeah. it's, it's it's that always comes down to that doesn't it
0: you need to have that zero to hero story, don't yeah, you, in Formula yeah. One? Otherwise, you apparently didn't deserve then, to, uh, any of your success. But then, I guess
2: Hamilton's zero to hero story came from you know the fact that we didn't really go into it at the time. Uh, speaking about it earlier, but you know his dad having sort of like four yeah. jobs and things to cut when he came from like quite a poor background, which is very rare in Formula One even nowadays.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and th- and obviously, we move over to the next year, which was two thousand and eight. Uh, where he did win the title Uh, and obviously in the the craziest of fashions ever is that Glock moment Uh, for those (laughs) of you that aren't aware I'm sure there are a few that probably haven't watched it go and watch the 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix you will not regret it Uh, but of course it was a, a wet track and uh, and glock was struggling on the final lap and then hamilton got through and it's probably one of the craziest title deciders ever in, in mm. formula one history and actually i remember we won't go off it too quickly but uh, too much sorry the uh, the topic but i, I want to just say my story where i was actually working a sunday job six till nine uh, at londis other supermarkets are available um and i was taping it recording it and I, was cu- I couldn't wait for nine o'clock because I think I had to stop halfway through to go and do work. And it was just the worst thing ever because obviously it was the title decider. And, uh, you know, absolutely fine. Work at Londis, whatever. I didn't talk to anybody when I was, you know, at the, on the till. And yet someone came in, oh, you know, buzzing. And I was like, oh, you know, they're laughing away. And I was like, oh, you, you know, you, you good? It's like, Yeah. Hamilton just won the championship oh no <laughs> oh, <shoot.
1: laughs> oh no that's
0: so gay mate i was paid five pound an hour it was not worth it no
2: that <laughs> that was the most crazy end let like you say to a race ever and you know i i can't no one could imagine what it's like to witness the championship going down to not only the wire but literally the final lap if if that was the final proper the, the corner. The final corner yeah if if that was a movie that michael yeah. bay made about formula one we'd all be going that's absolutely ridiculous that never happens and there and the thing good. is
0: even though i knew the result i still didn't believe him i was like hold on no but he, hamilton's not in a championship winning position he hasn't won the guys, the guy's clearly got it wrong yeah. and then obviously he got through on the last Mad. corner i was like what crazy
1: crazy I mean, we do have to take a moment, though, to think back to the footage in the Ferrari garage, which, I mean, <laughs> oh, every time I close my eyes, the, the scene of Mass's family celebrating and then realising that he hadn't won the title, it plays over in my mind. <laughs> I'd probably take it to the grave with me. It's one of the most heartbreaking things I think I've ever seen in F1, but then also Skip to the the McLaren garage and seeing the elation from everybody there when they realise that Hamilton has done it. Like you say, you, you couldn't write it. It's just an amazing moment and one of those things that it really makes you realise why we all do this, why we all love F one so much, is for moments like that.
0: I'm sorry, one of the most heartbreaking moments has to be shumi pole at Monaco. But <laughs> strip Whatever, uh, but but yeah, I, I completely agree. It was a, a, a sad sight to see, and I'm sure Massa it probably haunts him. Mm. Um, a lot because you know i'm sure he thought that he'd won the title as well uh you know he was he was kind of hesitantly celebrating wasn't he when he came over the line but he thought he'd done enough and it's such a shame for him but uh we move on because that's not exactly what we're talking about we're talking about the transition to mercedes but we're we're getting there uh, as hamilton continues to race with mclaren Uh, he won plenty of races but but no title uh but this again kind of showed hamilton's talent was the fact that he has one in every single year he's ever raced and he had a dreadful car in 2009 people people seem to think that he's always had a really good car but 2009 was one of those years where it just didn't work
2: yeah it was 2009 uh, if you look back at anyone's sort of driver of the year ratings and stuff lewis hamilton is number one on a lot of them in that year because he just showed that 2009 the car was absolutely woeful he, like you say, he even won in that car and his teammate, uh, Heike Kovalainen, who, according to AWS, is the eighth fastest Formula One driver of all time. <laughs> um, <coughs> qualifier. <laughs> qualifier, sorry. Uh, never achieved anything better than a fourth place all year. And Hamilton, by the end of the season, Hamilton was consistently one of the best in the sport. You know, he could have got another win uh, in Abu Dhabi that year, uh, but his car conked out. Um and yeah, just a really impressive year. and he went on to uh, be in McLaren, you know having having those like near misses, unfortunately, because after 2008, we saw a video uh, recently that we shared where you know they're talking to Michael Schumacher going, what you know, is Hamilton gonna beat your record? Um, and that was after 2008, if you think that he'd not only almost won in his rookie year. One in his second year everyone's thinking how many titles is this guy going to get but then weirdly it took a long time for him to get another one
1: it did i mean in 2009 and 2011 he had his worst ever finishes in the world drivers championship which was fifth i mean i wouldn't be too unhappy if i had finished fifth and that was my worst ever result in the career that hamilton has had um,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that's why, Katie, you're not a seven-time nearly world champion. <laughs> this
1: is this is true. <laughs> I still put it down to the fact that I never met Ron Dennis when I was ten at a go karting track. But yeah, that's fair, fair. Uh, but 2009 started off bad anyway because uh, Hamilton was given a disqualification at the Australian Grand Prix. Basically, um, passed somebody under the safety car, and McLaren were thought to have misled stewards after the race in oh, the, yeah, the evidence I that. that they gave. So. I mean, 2009 started off as a, a shocking year and pretty much just went from there. Like you say, the, the two wins in Hungary and then Singapore were sort of the only good things that really happened to him that year. Uh, not not ideal for him. Um, and it didn't really get much better from there, to be honest.
0: Oh, poor. My heart bleeds for Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, he could have won the title in 2010 and 2012 if things had gone better. Isn't that right, Tommy?
2: Yeah, he was close. He, uh, 2010, you think of it as being a title... Uh, decided between Alonso and uh, Vettel but that year was when Hamilton was actually in the title fight uh, down to the wire
0: last to the last race wasn't yeah it? yeah
2: there was four of them
0: that was crazy wasn't it that whole race was just ridiculous where you had Weber and was it Weber and Alonso covering each other off and then Vettel was like thank you yeah
2: and then 2012 <laughs> uh which we'll go into because this is where the relationship started souring, he could have easily uh, won the title that year, he had uh four retirements, which genuinely could have maybe even been victory. So if you think that's almost you know a hundred points missing out on. Um if if things had gone better, McLaren had a good car in twenty twelve, but just had poor mm. reliability and some bad strategy calls. So could have easily done uh won it there and imagine you know he'd be on (laughs) 10 11 titles by now that's that's ridiculous
0: to think isn't it Uh, and and I guess that was probably the reason was that the the pace was there and the performance was there but unfortunately the 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 reliability wasn't uh, with McLaren and that's kind of where Hamilton's relationship seemed to to get a bit worse uh, with the team Um, is there a potential talking point around the fact that his personality maybe wasn't suited to how ron dennis liked to run things
2: absolutely um <laughs> i was looking back at some of his old tweets and uh the people will people that have only been on twitter for a couple of years will never believe the story but lewis hamilton back in 2011 was on twitter and his twitter name was at i am lewis for real and <laughs> um his twitter bio was like something along the lines of i'm close to my boys and he i remember <laughs> i remember he he was causing a bit of a stare on twitter there was obviously the famous example where he tweeted his telemetry out during a race uh, which was very controversial Great insight yeah uh, which mclaren weren't very happy about and he was very sort of just put it all out there on twitter i remember him tweeting something on along the lines of To all my haters, I don't give an F, but wrote it out, which wasn't very McLaren back then. If you haven't been following F1 for a very long time, McLaren used to be so, so different to what they are now. They would, no way would they be allowing Lando to do what he's doing now if Ron Dennis was still in charge. They were super corporate, super professional, seemed to have no lightheartedness about them at all. Uh, To the point where even when Alonso joined, he shaved uh, his beard and his hair had short back and sides. And then as soon as he fell out with them, he grew his hair back just to annoy Ron Dennis. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I remember being a bit of a uh, disgruntled Hamilton fan at this this point, wishing he'd leave McLaren. I actually found an old tweet of mine, which is always controversial, uh, from 2011 where I wrote, Hamilton, please leave McLaren ASAP. So wow, look at you! Maybe he saw yeah. your tweet and I, thought maybe he did. Yeah, yeah, but no, yeah, well, he was not happy. It, it didn't suit, didn't suit his personality at all.
1: No, I mean with with Twitter as well. Do you remember when he had that big beef with Jensen Button, and he was like, <laughs> "Oh mate, I can't believe you've unfollowed me on Twitter. That's so petty. Oh, I thought yeah. we were closer than that." And then Jensen replied and said, uh, "I was never following you in the first place, Lewis. Oh. Like basically, keep your keep your knickers on, mate." Uh, but I completely agree with what you said about Ron Dennis. Hamilton, I think he spoke to Karun Chandok on Sky Sports a few few weeks ago, saying how when he went into McLaren, he basically had to just strip away all of his layers of his personality from the way he dressed to the way he, you know, well, I say spoke, but, you know, things like that. He had to change so much. Um, And it's been commented by so many people that Ron Dennis almost like a, a villain in a bond film or something like that because everything had to be so perfect if you if you listen to uh, mark Priestley's book or read mark Priestley's book you know he says how it's almost like the mclaren technology center was like a spaceship everything had to be perfect before they went home and and ron sounded like he had some sort of ocd as well so much so that fernando alonso apparently this is a, a story that goes around that um beforehand if you went and ate something you'd have to eat it with like a knife and fork when you were having a meeting and ron was present because he just didn't like mess anywhere and apparently fernando went into this meeting with ron with the juiciest peach that he could find (laughs) and he sat there and he ate into this peach and it was spewing juices everywhere just to like annoy ron to prove a point um and so I'm guessing with Ham- Hamilton's personality that he's, you know, quite a cheeky chappy, isn't he? Um, that that just didn't gel with with McLaren.
0: <laughs> That's such a such an interesting story, and uh, you wonder why Alonso didn't stay at McLaren. Um, but also, yeah, that is it, it, it's clear to see that Hamilton just didn't mix well with uh, Ron Dennis's philosophy. And it's you, you look at McLaren now, and you think, wow. How different are they? They've got Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz having jokes all the time. You can tell that it's not Dennis in charge anymore, can't you?
2: Absolutely. It's, it's crazy. I'm, I even remember the when Hamilton got a tattoo, it was like this crazy thing in Formula One. Like, oh my God, he's got a tattoo. McLaren, this is mad. Um, whereas like Mercedes just uh, so supportive of him and yeah, McLaren clearly went.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's go to the actual topic That time when Lewis Hamilton joined Mercedes, we are here. We we need a backstory. You know, you need to know what Hamilton's been up to beforehand. But then September 2012, Lewis Hamilton announces he's joining Mercedes. Now, I remember this really well, just purely for the fact everybody, well, not everybody, but the majority of people thought he was moving just for the money. And that was it. McLaren were in a good spot. They were still winning races. Hamilton had won a race every single year in his career. But to go to Mercedes that looked lackluster, um, but but had glimpses of hope, didn't they? Especially in qualifying, Rosberg won a few races and and whatnot. But overall, Mercedes it it looked like the wrong move, didn't it?
2: It did. It was it was a strange one because you had some people mentioning about Michael Schumacher building a team around him like he did at Ferrari, and this could be, um, you know, Hamilton's chance to do that you had the rule change coming in in 2014 which was obviously that big thing but a lot of people just jumped on very critical saying that hamilton all he was going there was because mercedes would pay him loads of money and he be- could become this celebrity um someone uh, shout out to paul dunk on twitter who found some old articles about when hamilton left and shared some people's thoughts on his move and I just want to read uh, this one out because it is hilarious. It's from Joe Soward, who I'm sure you'll know. Oh, yeah. yeah. He I won't. He, he's blocked us on Twitter, so he won't see this. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so it says Lewis Hamilton does not know much about racing history, and so cannot learn from the mistakes of others. Perhaps he thinks that if it fails, he will at least uh, have the consolation of earning lots of money and being a bigger, su- a bigger star. Thanks to his hustling management that will sell his image there, um, that might make him an international celebrity on a bigger scale. But that is not how he will become a racing legend. Perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> perhaps Mercedes will pull it off when Hamilton will, and uh, then Hamilton will look clever. But I fear that this will be a move similar to James Hunt joining Wolf, Emerson Fittipaldi joining Fittipaldi, Jack Villeneuve moving to BAR, or Nicky Lauder's ill-fated move to Brabham. History. Re- uh, history relates that you do not leave a winning team in f1 unless it is to go to another proven winner so he was not happy about hamilton leaving and thought he i can't just... believe you've
0: just given him all that spotlight for a completely incorrect
2: opinion there tommy but here we are well <laughs> it's funny isn't it that people He's just an yeah, expert, so... he is an expert so there you go yeah
1: i was i was excited to see hamilton joining mercedes mainly because i was a big supporter of nico rosberg at the time um <laughs> which I know is going to cause some controversy, but we'll go with it. Um, and I don't know, I just had a feeling that Mercedes were on to something. Obviously, uh, like you said, Matt, Rosberg took some wins during 2012, took his first win in China 2012. And I don't know, I just had a feeling. I'm not trying to say that I predicted that Hamilton would go on to have the success he has done. I am no way saying that. But I just think from the way it was going with McLaren and it was just not looking... Not looking great not looking promising that maybe a change was needed and I mean look look at the people that were associated with Mercedes you had Nicky Lauda Ross Braun of course and uh I think like I I was listening to quite a few interviews before we recorded this um and he Nicky Lauda spoke to Sky ahead of the Japanese Grand Prix in 2012 so I'm guessing that's after it was announced with Lewis um, and Nikki, Nikki said, I was not the key person to get Hamilton on board. Ross Brawn was, he did the negotiation. He signed the contract. I was aware of what was happening, but the key person was Ross. Um, the question Hamilton wanted to ask me is why should I leave a very competitive car and go at the moment to a less competitive car? So I replied, if you move from one car to another, there is more challenge. You've been at McLaren since you were 12, 13 since forever. And I think it's good as in any job to move, on and start all over again with new new motivation and with different people which i mean has turned out to be the case hasn't it
0: absolutely absolutely yes uh, well it clearly worked for him let's put it that way who would be a well i mean nico rosberg could probably be about a four or five time world champion right now if uh or,
2: or if nico hulkenberg
0: or nico hulkenberg yes. th- that was uh, who would have taken hamilton's seat had it not been Uh, for Lewis going there. So it would have been a Hülkenberg versus Rosberg title fight. Nico versus Nico. Nico squared. (laughs) That that would have been very, very confusing to to watch. But no, yeah, that's just so weird how history could have been so different and uh, Hamilton may just be sat on a few world titles. But anyway, let's talk about his actual first year at Mercedes. Uh, They were good, but not dominant, of course. um, Well, they finished second in the World Constructors' Championship, uh, he of course Hamilton won again uh, in Hungary, uh, but Vettel was very much the clear favourite. Red Bull were, were, were the strongest, weren't they? They
2: dominated at the end of um, 2013. Yeah, Vettel won nine races in a row, and all the talk that we're now getting of Hamilton was whether Vettel is going to be, you know, how many titles will Vettel get? Ten people were talking of you know ten titles for for Vettel because he was just dominating. It shows how quickly it can change, exactly. It? Yeah, uh, the the thing that I find so bizarre about 2012 and 2013 when hamilton left is that he obviously moved there and put kind of what like danny rick did uh renault although that's not the case now because he's moved on but he he moved with the idea that in 2014 the hybrid the new hybrid era um you know the new engines would make mercedes utterly amazing and they would be the team to beat which is exactly what happened but the strange thing is that in 2013, Mercedes improved a lot. Now I was looking, I was looking at. So when Hamilton uh, announced his retirement, uh, sorry, announced that he was uh, leaving um, to join Mercedes, the Mercedes results at the end of 2012, uh, bearing in mind that McLaren won the last two races, were 11th. 13th retired retired 11th retired 11th 16th 13th 7th and 15th so they were they were just nowhere at the end of 2012 and there wasn't really a major rule change or anything and then moving on to 2013 they just seemed to to nail it really and they were I remember them being really really quick but absolutely horrendous on their tires they would get pole a lot yeah um, and then just that's the same as
0: 2012 no like at the start of 2012, they were really yeah. quick and they just, horrendous on their tyres. Yeah, tires. they just
2: had poor race pace, yeah. Um And then the only race that at the start of 2013 they won was Monaco, just essentially because they could get pole and no one could overtake. <laughs> um So yeah, it was, it was a strange year, but it almost immediately showed that that decision was a good one because McLaren haven't won a race since 2012, since Lewis left they have not won or even came close to winning a race other than Monza. Oh, come on, Monza. I said other than Monza. Oh, Which okay. was, a, yeah, an odd one. Not on Think. pace, but yeah. No, they were there on pure pace. What are you oh, on about? Sorry, yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with what, what you're saying there, Tommy. I mean, like you say, looking at the results of 2013, pretty much all, well, all of them apart from the race in Spain and a retirement in Japan were all point scoring finishes with the occasional podium chucked in. But exactly you look at the following year, um, and you go from there being one like yellow block on the on the Wikipedia page of the Mercedes results for twenty thirteen, fast forward to twenty fourteen, and like the whole row is yellow just because of the amount of wins that Hamilton begun to, to pick up and it just pretty much stays from there. Like if you looking at the Wikipedia page, it's just all yellow on Hamilton section because he just made the right call, didn't he? And Mercedes have just been so incredibly dominant.
0: Yeah, I think it's all down to, to Michael Schumacher and the foundations that he <laughs> laid uh, at Mercedes. Mm-hmm. No one else really did anything um, to, to contribute. None of the mechanics. Uh, Schumi all the way.
2: Yeah, mechanics didn't do anything. It's all Schumi.
0: No, 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 no. Shumi literally built the <laughs> Uh But anyway, 2014, as uh, Katie said, fr- from there on uh, in the hybrid era, uh, Mercedes have won every single title. Uh, hamilton's broken pretty much every record bar one uh, which will be done well matched this year and uh yeah the final question i guess to everybody watching uh, and be sure to, to get involved in the comment section and, and give us a like as well of course uh is how many wins will hamilton end up on and uh i'll, I'll ask you guys as well uh, for me i think it will be 120 what do you think tommy
2: yeah i predicted about 124 i think if, if, if
0: that would make it nine world titles maybe yeah if he Eight?
2: stays uh next year Eight and maybe nine. stays for one year in 2020 i i'm predicting yeah like probably about 2020. sorry 2022 um <laughs> yeah i can see him will
0: he stay to the end of the season tommy
2: <laughs> is his career over
0: it's <laughs> okay, so 124 for you tommy what what do you predict katie
1: um, I'm th- thinking about the same ballpark. I mean, 23 is my lucky number, so I'm just going to be annoying and go 123, and then... Wow,
0: we're so in we the really same We really are. It's mad Amazing. That...
1: This is when he retired. Like, we released this, and he's like, I quit, and we're like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's out the window.
0: Well, that means I win, because I'm closest, so... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> wow, we actually agreed on something, unlike ABCDEF1.
2: Yeah, strange looking back, isn't it? Uh, looking back at that sort of middle era at McLaren, where Hamilton almost it was it was almost becoming a nearly man and if you think that when Vettel was winning four titles if you'd when when he'd won his fourth title in a row and Hamilton had only won one we'd we'd be here saying 100 he's going to get 124 wins you'd have laughed your head off wouldn't you but here we are and it's looking like the dominance is not going to end anytime soon not at all eh? Katie, final thoughts.
1: I'm looking forward to recording a podcast in five years' time when we go that time when Lewis Hamilton went from Mercedes to Ferrari. <laughs> Which wow, no, I'm not, I'm not calling that. I'm, I'm only joking. That's not happening. No, <laughs> I'm trying to be an um, Eddie
2: Jordan and uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Cool. Imagine that we do a podcast in five years' time and hamilton's still on six world titles, and we we, we we're <laughs> looking so like at chumps. how how he didn't win the title in 2020. Oh, dear. imagine I mean to be fair Hamilton could probably not turn up for the rest of the season and Bottas still wouldn't win the title but that's for another discussion
1: yeah that time
2: when Bottas won the title
0: imagine anyway Thank you so much for for watching and listening, everybody. Uh, That time when has returned. If you enjoy the series, let us know. Hashtag WTF1 Podcast for any suggestions, ideas for for future topics of conversation. Thank you to Tommy. Thank you to Katie. And we will end it there. Thank you so much, everybody. And we'll see you soon for another video. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Waving.
2: Waving.
0: Sorry, I stopped waving. (laughs) You weren't waving? (laughs) No, I stopped. Ow, I just hit my head.